This is Long Box Heroes After Dark, episode 162. Mm-hmm. Slash Gallifrey Birds, Roman numeral 12. Mm-hmm. Slash The End. Slash Question Mark. Wow, that's a lot of slashes. Right. It's, it's more than O.J. Simpson. Allegedly. He's still looking for the real killers. That's right. That's in Vegas. So, uh, of course, we have... Now, did we say that we're doing we're doing the Christmas gifts on the main show, right? So yeah, so we already know. We've already well, seen our gifts, and they're fantastic. Oh, amazing what you got me. Right. I sound okay. Yes? Yes. Okay. Um, so... Oh, I gotta get things open here. Uh oh. Gotta get your notes. So then I need that as well. That is what I meant. Okay. So, uh, Todd had two episodes of Saturday Night's Main Event to watch from 1986. Uh, I had an episode of Doctor Who to watch, which we'll get into. Everything involving all of this. Mm-hmm. But I also have to say, um, we also have a discussion about the discussion we had last week about what we're going to be doing in 2018. Right. But we're going to save that for the very end of the show. Right. You're the president. Mm-hmm. So, the episode of Doctor Who that I had to watch, you may have told me that it was a Christmas special. Right, and I told you it starts out and then it's no longer a Christmas special. Okay. So, the way that I'm able to find a lot of these things, uh, especially when the internet gives them to me, is by their episode number. Mm-hmm. Do you follow what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Do you know what the episode number of this episode is, Todd? Off the top of my head, no, I do not, because this was the year without a season. Okay. The episode number is season zero, episode zero. Wow. So it made it a little difficult to find. You just got to look up the return of Ray Mysterio Jr. Mm-hmm. That didn't work on... Um, the places that give me things, it was a little <laughs> bit more difficult because a lot of times they don't put the episode titles in the subject line of what you're being right. given. Mm-hmm. You got to do a little bit more poking and prodding. Um, right. But I found it. I'm a genius of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's two plots going on in this. We'll just kind of start things off uh, from here. Um, there's a ripoff of Superman. An homage. Specifically the Christopher Reeve Supermans, I would say. Mm-hmm. And then there's an homage to, uh, would you say, Invasion of the Body Snatchers? Yeah, or the man with two brains. Or the man with, or the <laughs> thing with two heads starring... Yeah. Um, God damn it, who started uh, on that? That's Leslie Nielsen. No, no, no. I've searched this before because I my thing pre-filled. <laughs> oh, boy. 
Starring Ray Milland and Rosie Greer. That's what it is, yes. I knew the Rosie Greer one more. Mm-hmm. It's a fantastic it's a fantastic trailer as well. So <laughs> Okay. Um So uh episode starts off uh the doctor is up to something, right? Mm-hmm. He's doing something and he ends up hung upside down outside of a boy's window. Uh not suspect at all. <laughs> and the boy's room is all filled with like superhero stuff, right? Right. So you marked out right away. Well, I was like, first of all, whatever time period this is supposed to be, this mm-hmm. kid would not be mixing these specific DC and these <laughs> specific Marvel decorations. But I'll leave that up to the set designer after I watch the episode, note their name in the credits, and send them a strongly worded tweet. Oh, just like when the fight choreographers get it wrong? Oh, I've got a list, Todd. <laughs> so, uh, this is like really our only connection to Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, as the boy tells his parents that there's an old creep outside his window, <laughs> and his parents say, oh, let him in, we've been expecting him. It's Santa Claus. Because it's Santa Claus. Right, and now you're saying there's a loose affiliation to Christmas? The loosest affiliation to Christmas in a Doctor Who Christmas special was that they were on a planet called Christmas. Okay. There you go. So you didn't get the loosest, you got the second loosest. All right. So the boy's sneezing, uh, and the boy has some fantastic sneeze acting, I'll say. (laughs) I want to tip my hat to him for that. Um, So they go up to the roof because the doctor was doing some sort of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey thing. It really doesn't matter. No, it's it's techno-babble. Right. So he tells the boy that he's the doctor, and then he says, well, you can't be just the doctor. In my comic books, there's always a doctor something. And he says, all the doctors are based on me. Yes. And then he says, so does that mean uh, when they make the Marvel Cinematic Universe version of Doctor Doom, he'll be played by all 13 doctors, 14 with the lady doctor coming up? Right. And the the war doctor was in there, so it is still 14. Right. Listen, you're talking to a Doctor Who professional here. Come on. (laughs) That is true. After the last year, give me a break. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you could say it. we're on the after dark. Right. I don't know if there's people still awake. I don't know. I got to be careful. <laughs> oh, that is true. So uh, he gives the boy like this gemerald mm-hmm. um, that gives him like levitation things. And we later learn that he tells him that he's not supposed to use the thing, the powers that it gives him ever. Right. Because he's afraid in the 90s that or wherever it is that he'll get, you know. You know, they'll come after him. Right. So flash forward to some current time, right? And there's a uh, a press conference being held where if you weren't sure of the Superman uh, homage before, or as the episode goes on, uh, he says that you could direct all your questions to uh, Mrs. Schuster and Mrs. Siegel. Siegel and Schuster created Superman, Joe. What a dink. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it turns out there's a lot of questions that they have for this company, Harmony Constant, or whatever it was called. <laughs> right. So I, something like that. Mm-hmm. So there's a reporter who's asking some very hard-hitting questions, and then there's some bald guy who shows up, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why do I know this guy? What the hell was this guy in? He was in a lot of stuff. Who is this guy? Who is this man? 
That's Nardol. He, uh, I can't think of the guy's name who plays him off the top of my head. Um, he was in Little Britain. Did you ever see Little Britain? Oh, you know, oh, sh- and see, this is the thing. Oh my God. What? So, <laughs> this is where I know this guy from. Little Britain? No. Oh. Community. Okay, I didn't Dr. know. Dr. Spacetime. <laughs> right. They go to a Dr. Spacetime convention. <laughs> And this is Abed's pen pal that he meets at the Dr. Spacetime convention. And now he's a Dr. Spacetime companion. <laughs> I, I'm almost certain that these happen around the same time as each other. Uh, I don't know, maybe two, three years ago was this episode? Right, and I think that's probably right around the time when that episode of uh, um, Com- a Community Com- happened. Okay. So he's distracting to me, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, they go to like a thing of like, oh, no more questions, right? But right. and he's asking weird questions. He's like, "Where's the boys' room?" Mm-hmm. And it's like, "No, not." And they're like, "Oh, the bathrooms are down there." He's like, "I didn't ask for the bathroom. I asked for the boys' room." So that's all weird and stuff, right? That's because of the different. That's like a lift and an elevator. They don't call it a bathroom in England, right? So he's all like, "That's not what I'm looking for." <sighs> go back to Britain, I say. Hmm. <laughs> So this guy's all sneaky, and then, like, the reason he calls off the press conference is uh, a creepy-looking scientist man comes and waves him off, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And we see that the the scientist man is, like, leaking a blue fluid out of his nose. So now we start the B-plot, or I'll say the less important plot of the story. Right. Which is uh, Harmony Constant has, like, this room with all (laughs) these brains in it. Mm-hmm. And he brings, uh, uh, what's, uh, the guy's name, uh, the guy who was doing the press conference, right? Right. Okay. So, um, brings him into the room, he's aware of the brains, they're up to something, but he points out that the brains are multiplying, more brains are showing up. But it turns out the brains are actually taking over people and there's more coming. This is the body snatchers gimmick that's going on. Right, it's an invasion. Right, it's an invasion. Uh, so the reporter, Lucy, uh, she had bribed a cleaning woman to borrow her clothes so she can kind of hang out there after night and figure out what's going on at this place. She runs into the doctor, who's eating sushi, not jelly babies, which, again, this is this a real doctor? He's just eating sushi? Whatever. <laughs> Gotta hit him up for the younger folks. <laughs> So, uh, while they run into this guy, and again, I keep saying, I feel bad for keep saying this guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, who is now taken over, and, th- and I want to say this, they do a cool deal with the way that the, um, the brains are taking over the people's, uh, bodies, they're splitting their heads kind of like diagonally down the middle. Right. And this and the other times where they do it in the episode, it's a really good special effect. What? Listen, I was as shocked as you were. Um, It's a very well done special effect. I'm not really sure why the brains take over the person's body and then have to split their bodies open. That's because that's where they hide their guns. That doesn't make a lot of sense. But 
I'm like, oh, okay, they'll get one good pop-off with this uh, special effect, and that'll be the end of it. But no, mm-hmm. they do the special effect a bunch of times, and it looks really good each and every time they do it. So I think at least right there, the episode gets a bunch of points. Uh, so they're cornered by the Doctor, not the Doctor, Doctor Who, but like the Doctor Who, I guess, <laughs> is like the main brain guy. Right. And then all of a sudden, crash, boom, bang, the ghost shows up, who's kind of like a mashup of a Superman and Batman sort of thing, because he's like wearing like an upside down cowl on his face. But he's all kind of what we, we, and I mean, you know, stupid people think uh, Superman is like, that he's all goody-two-shoes and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So he helps them, he saves them, and he whisks Lucy off to safety. And then he gets called away with his special messenger gimmick that he has some sort of other emergency to show up, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so while this is going on, the doctor's kind of looking at him, looking at him, looking at him. Because earlier when the doctor met that young boy... Uh, the Doctor, obviously having never seen comic books before, the Doctor, genius that he is, is the one who figures out that Superman and Clark Kent are the same person. Mm-hmm. Um, and they speak in code to each other, something uh, indicative of a certain uh, radio personality. <laughs> or they really say the uh, line from before, it's like, oh, all Doctors are based on me, Doctor Mysterio. So that's how doc- the Doctor kind of lets him know, and he lets the Doctor know that they know each other from the previous meeting that we saw in the beginning of the episode, right? Right. So the Doctor follows him back to the place that he went to. Turns out that in his normal human state, the guy who plays the ghost, and what's his name in the episode? Grant? Yes. Uh, Grant is a nanny, but again, Swerve, there's Swerve 1. Swerve 2, he's a nanny for Lucy. Swerve 3, he has a crush on Lucy. What? That's a lot to digest. Right, there's a lot of shit going on in this episode, right? Mm-hmm. So then Lucy shows up, and the doctor's there. Doctor's trying to keep the secret safe that this guy, Grant, is really the ghost, because, of course, now this person, Lucy, who's doing, like, a Lois Lane pastiche, um, is, like, trying to figure out who the ghost is, having just saved her. Oh, it's, he's real. You know, no one knew he was real, and this is her first interaction with them. Um, so she starts questioning the doctor of what's going on at the Harmony Constant place. And while she's grilling him, she has this, like, weird squeaky toy called Mr. Huffle, which apparently is, like, a running gag throughout the course of this and then toward the end of the episode. What was up with this, Todd? I have no idea. It's just a squeaky toy. Okay. I didn't like, like, it was just really weird and out of place. Mm-hmm. No, there's not like I can remember it from anything else. Right, right. I wasn't sure if there was like some sort since. of extra significance to it. No. Or, you know, I know there's only like an episode that's like a year or two old. Um, Would this be like, you know, is this something that comes back or, you know, but obviously not. It was just a stupid thing that the writers threw in there. Right. Um. So where are we? I mentioned about that. Um. So... Uh, the doctor figures out that the Harmony Constant Company has all their buildings set up in the capital cities, but then New York's not a capital. He figures it out that it's not the capitals, but if there is an invasion, uh, all the presidents are going to go to whatever the bigger places are, which is like your New Yorks and so forth like that. So that's how they're going, the aliens are going to end up taking over. Like I said, the Doctor plot with the Invasion of the Body Snatchers thing is like the B plot. I, it doesn't, like, it really, it did nothing for me, other than the cool special effects, right? 
The main plot, of course, is Grant and uh, Lucy, their whole thing. Obviously, he has the unrequited love for her since they were in school together. Um, the kid is Grant's friend who Lucy was with. Right. And then left her when she got pregnant. And then, of course, their relationship is weird, but he still has a crush on her. Um, they set up a deal where they make a date with each other and their other personalities for an interview. Lucy comes to Grant and says, I have a date tomorrow. At the same time, he says it. He ends up canceling the date because her date is more important. He goes and has a picnic set up with her on the set from The Room. <laughs> if you're familiar I, with the film The Room. I've uh, never seen The Room. Made so. famous by the James Franco movie The Disaster Artist. Mm-hmm. All right. That's the, 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 their rooftop set is the same rooftop set that Tommy Wiseau uses. But their green screen of uh, the city is slightly more convincing than his. <laughs> Only slightly. This is an episode from 2016. His movie was shot in the early 2000s, so keep that in mind as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he decides he is going to reveal uh, that he is Grant to her. And then out of nowhere, they get into an argument over Grant being a nanny. Because now earlier in the conversation... She accuses him of being gay because he wears all leather and flies around with a G on his chest. It stands for gay ghost. Right. I don't know. It stands for gay ghost. <laughs> and then he kind of rebuffs that, you know, as a, you know, superhero type person would. And then out of nowhere, she gets super defensive about Grant being the nanny. And she goes, I've been taking him for granted. Great line. Oh, my Todd. (laughs) Right? So I was with the episode up to this point. Then this scene, from here on out, the dialogue was terrible. It It was like a parody of every bad 80s comedy movie, something where someone has a secret, and they just happen to turn the wrong way and miss it, or... She has her, she sits at the table for a very long time with her hand in a position that no human would ever put their hand while they're talking to another human while she's saying how she really loves Grant. And then he takes his mask off. He's going to reveal himself. And then, of course, she says, Grant never lied to me. So now he can't lie to her. The conundrum and swerve continues. It's great. It's such a takeoff of like those old uh, Donner Superman films. It's uh, you don't know what you're talking about. Sam. I was with it up to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, especially the okay. I was with it up to this point be- because of the hackneyed way that they get to her having the realization that she loves Grant. Mm-hmm. That just out of nowhere she decides that the ghost is making fun of Grant for being a nanny. Where he wasn't. I even went and played it back like two or three times. I'm like, did I miss something here? Did I miss a piece of dialogue? Did the version that the internet gave me have parts missing or something? See, you're 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 getting into a tried and true uh, a Doctor Whoism. Something happened because it had to happen, Joe. 
Are we supposed to be better than this, Todd? No, we're not. This is Doctor Who. All right, so while they're doing this, uh, the Doctor is confronting the Harmony Constant people. He's figured out their plan. He tells them that he's figured out their plan. And he had hijacked one of their ships. Is this what's going on? Yes, sure. Why not? Because their plan is that the ship is going to drop. They're going to think it's an invasion, and that's how things are going to start. Um, so the doctor, uh, just like, well, and again, I don't want to say out of character, because as I've learned over my vast knowledge of Doctor Who, <laughs> and as you've reminded me, the doctor is just going to act like a petulant child if it needs to move the plot along, if he hasn't acted like that the entire episode. Mm -hmm. So he just starts, like, mashing buttons and doing a whole bunch of things to make the ship's descent go faster in the hopes that the ghost will see it and stop this thing from happening. Right. Which he does. But to do so, he has to reveal himself uh, to Lucy because the brain guys have shown up there figuring out where the ghost is, realizing that he has, like powers and abilities far greater than mortal men, and if they can get a brain inside him, then obviously their job would even be that much easier. Right. Comic book 101. Right. So he catches the he catches the ship, but he had to reveal his identity to do so, but it's all okay because he saved the world. The brain guys get revealed. They're off. And then uh, back at the apartment, Grant decides he's no longer going to be the ghost. Uh, cause now that he's happy because he and Lucy are together, um, they do the gimmick again with the, uh, Mr. What is it? Mr. Muggle, did I say? <laughs> yes, I think it was. I don't remember what the name was. Mr. Huffle. Mr. Huffle. Um, uh, the, to uh, do uh, Doctor Who is sad. And then, uh, he won't say why, but then the bald guy, what, Nardone or whatever says... Nardole, yeah. Right, he's mourning the loss of uh, his, his wife? Yes, Riversong. Okay. Who I spent... Is a really cool storyline and I would have gave to you, but you would have tapped out early on because there's a bunch of episodes and if I don't get them all, you have to explain it. It was a woman who he ended up seeing, but they were seeing each other out of time, so they had these two diaries and it was a lot of wibbly-wobbly and I was like, Joe ain't gonna care about this. Is was there some plot previously where the younger version of him was with the older version of the woman? I don't know. I don't know what you mean. Uh, uh, the, the, the 11th doctor was with her for a while. She's the, he, he, they're the one that actually married the 11th and her. Right. So, and then when he first met her as the 10th doctor, that was when she died, and he was. She was like, "Oh, well, you came to me, blah blah blah, and you, and you were dressed in a new suit and you had a new face, and that's when the twelfth met her. Like it, it's it's like I said, it's all really weird and hard to explain. But I have a vague recollection. Remember when I tried to watch Doctor Who? Oh yeah, uh, no. When you watch, because I gave you the episode where the TARDIS came to life. No, no, no. I remember there was a season where I started watching the episodes, like, from as the season was happening. Like, they went inside of a sick Dalek or something? 
Yes, that was the twelfth. That was the tenth doc, or the this doctor Capaldi was his first season, and you tapped out early, and it had nothing to do with her. Hmm. Okay. I I don't know because there's a lot you know that it could be. Right. I don't know. I just have some sort of vague recollection of the doctor having a wife who wasn't the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. So I thought this episode was fine. Of course, you you were corrected. Pick something that was um superhero-y. It was in your wheelhouse. I figured it would be something at least you would enjoy-ish. Um, but I, I get what you're saying of like, oh, it's such a fun pastiche of those old superhero sort of things. And it was just a, like, I was with it. I was with it the whole way of like swerve upon swerve upon swerve. But then it was just the clumsy dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, and here's one of the things. the plot to move along. Right. Where you talk about like, well, this is like, you know, the, uh, the pastiche of that, the doctor who is really known for that. I'm mean, not every single story, but they have, they, and they make no bones about it. They have just ripped off whole things to do their story. Like back in the day, there's a story called the, uh, the, uh, the brain of Morbius. It's just a Frankenstein story. The, the, the Christmas story with the doctor where they're in space in, on a uh, cruise ship that gets busted. It's just the Poseidon adventure. And they're like, yep, that's what we do. We take these classic things that we like and we weave it into a Doctor Who story. Now, now granted, they're not every single one of them is that way, but every once in a while they do. They do so, and this is that. This was Moffat. He's like, I love those old Donner movies, and he goes, and this was my my uh, just homage to it. Like literally, he just stole the scene where Christopher Reeve and Margot Kidder have the have the dinner on the roof. Right. It was like obviously, like I got that, but I just right. felt as though the dialogue just ended up being so clumsy that it just kind of took me out of it. But that's me. I still mm-hmm. enjoyed it. I thought the special effects were way better than anything I've ever seen on any Doctor Who. What? Um, by a long shot. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I, I enjoyed this, except for the part where the dialogue stunk. Ah, oh. But, there you go, now you've seen every doctor that's been current to, to this day. Mm-hmm. And doesn't it, doesn't it make you feel warm inside? Don't your two hearts beat stronger because of it? Oh, yes. Absolutely. Oh. I could tell. Don't worry. We'll get you a 13th Doctor episode somehow down the line. I know you're worried. Well, I might pitch a curveball to you when we're talking about next year, but let's get into it. Oh, oh boy. So are we are we going into Saturday Night Main Event now? We're going into Saturday Night's Main Event. Event. All right. So Joe gave me this, Saturday Night's Main Event. Two episodes. They were seven and eight. So we'll start with seven. And it starts out with Wait, Jake. I have to what? say, uh... From the Richfield Coliseum in Richfield, Ohio, uh, aired around October of 1986. Oh, okay. I'm to sorry. give the fans at home uh, time frame for the the uh, capsule of where we are in the world of professional wrestling. They, they have a nice opening where they kind of give you everybody you're going to kind of sort of see. The only one that I'm going to touch on is that Jake the Snake, for some reason, is showering with his snake. Mm-hmm. And he's looking way more energetic than the last time I saw him in Heroes of Wrestling. Right, right. Well, this and, is 13 years prior, sure. 
Right. So uh just I just I just find it interesting and and uh I don't know, he he's he's he looks a little he looks a little like he's ready to go, a little more than, than he's last. He's amped time. up, he's fired up. He's fired up. It's this it's the fact that he's got a wet snake. He's he's all ready to go. So we we cut to like, you know, after all these like just quick intros, we cut to Vince McMahon and he you know what, Joe? He sounds energetic too, Joe. He does. He sounds very energetic, and he's with Jesse the Body Ventura, who's dressed not in 80s style, but the epitome of 80s. I just love the fact that he's got, like, you know, the black and white T-shirt on it with some person on it. Like, I don't even know what he has going on. It just explode. 80s exploded on my TV for a little bit. So he seems to be excited, too. Jesse's all, like, amped up, and I don't know. There was just a... A vibe to this episode, these episodes, Joe. A lot of excitement. Yes, there was electricity in the air, they kept saying. (laughs) Oh, boy. So the two of them announced that uh, uh, Roddy Roddy Piper was supposed to wrestle, but he can't because somebody busted his knees. So right there, I'm mad at you, Joe, as this starts out, Mm -hmm. that, you know, I'm not going to get to see Piper. Because, you know, he, he is one of my, 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 my big, uh, you know, one of the, the wrestlers that I did love when I watched it a little bit. And they say that it's rare that he, he gets hurt and won't wrestle because he eats breakfast, then comes back for more. I would like to see Rowdy eat some pain for breakfast. <laughs> but then we cut to Mean Gene with Rowdy Roddy Piper. Now he looks very subdued at this point, Joe. He's got two crutches. He's got a towel in his mouth and he's leaning against the wall. So I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for my, my soothing, my soothing, you know, interview with mean Gene Ogerland. And they cut to how he got the highlight of his, his knee busted by, I don't know. Uh, was it Adrian Adonis? It was adorable Adrian Adonis. That's correct. Right, because it took me for a minute seeing someone in a dress pounding on his knee. Bob Orton and who was the other one? Uh, Don Morocco? Correct. Oh, I'm getting this down, Joe. I'm getting this down. And then all of a sudden, oh, my God, like, <laughs> that's when Piper wakes up after this this clip. And he's just looking into the camera. And he's screaming because Gene says the doctor says he can't wrestle. And he's like, what doctor? Well, that doctor could go deliver a baby. And I ain't no baby. And, I, you know, it, 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 it's just I, at this point when you said the Spectrox needle was in the red, mm-hmm. I figured I figured that they had blew the budget right there on it, Joe. <laughs> like, literally, it was all it went all up Piper's nose. I was wrong on that joke. Right. But he's, he's fantastic. Like Gene's just looking at him and Gene looks like legitimately like, is like, yeah, like, you know, uh, just, uh huh. Keep going. Like, like concerned. Yes. Like every word. And mean Gene's like, uh, he is red hot. Ladies and gentlemen, like Gene says that. And I'm like, more like white hot. If you know what I mean, Gene. (laughs) I'm like he—he's like, like, like everybody knows at this point, and uh, and 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 at the end he's and Gene just goes, I I don't know what to make of all of it, and just like after Piper was done with his Coke fueled ti- Spectrox fueled tirade, he just yells back, I do, I like you know because. Gene didn't know what to make of it, but all of a sudden, apparently, Piper does, and I'm like, I'm sure you do, Mr. Piper. You do know. (laughs) 
I mean, I don't, I don't even know what to say about it. It's almost like he, he starts sentences and he doesn't know if he should finish them. And he, and I'm not sure if it's, if it's the Spectrox or if it's him going like doing a bit where like, oh, I shouldn't say that and I should back out. Or if he just legitimately forgot what he was going to say and went on to the next thing. It's, it's either pure genius. I'm just going to go with straight genius. That's that's the only thing I can come up with. I was going to say, to, were you insinuating that his uh, his behavior was a bit erratic? Yes, All yes. Right. But I don't know if the erratic is 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 like all the spectrox, or if that's part of his his gimmick, and he knows that he's doing it, or like uh, when you're on that much, can you know what you're doing at all? Do, hmm. you know what I'm trying to say? These are good like, questions. Right. These are all questions that are for the. For the uh, for someone way above my pay grade, exactly for the historians, not me, right? So we we cut back to Vince, and he's talking about now. Now Vince starts talking history, which is one of my favorite things. He's like, and he's like, uh, with the betrayal of Hulk Hogan, he's like, this is the most traitorous act since Benedict Arnold sold the plans to went to the West Point to the hated British, and I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say the hated British, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And he's just, and I just like fantastic. I'm like the fact that I just got a history lesson from Spectroct up Vince McMahon is <laughs> fantastic. And I didn't know that uh, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff betrayed Hulk Hogan at any point in his career. This is at least the second time in as many years. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he betrayed him twice. Yes. Right. Oh, I, I don't even understand why they go back, Joe. Why do wrestlers go back if they've been betrayed? I heard uh, someone say before because the script says they have to. <laughs> okay. Okay. So now, um, you know, now we now at this point, it's when I realize not only do I realize that some of the wrestlers are on Spectrox show, but so is the director okay. of this TV show, is because it's like, it's like. Here's here's Vince and Jesse. Here's Rowdy Piper and Gene. We're back to Vince and Jesse. Now we're off to a promo. Now we're off to Hogan. And I'm like, it's all like bing, bang, boom, bang. And I'm like, this is, like I said, a very energetic show. So they cut to Hulk Hogan, who's going to talk about it. And I, I, I don't even, I, like, he looks, he looks <laughs> subdued. He looks subdued next to Piper. But still, there's a lot of electricity in the air, Joe. A lot of electricity. And he's like, the betrayal was like a dream. Like a, like a Spectrox-fueled dream. Um, he's going he's gonna to lay it out for Or Orndorff's fan. God created the heaven and the earth. Then he created the Hulkamaniacs. Then he created a set of 24-inch pythons, the biggest pythons in the world, brother, that are going to straighten people up. And the logic in all that, Joe, is, all right, God created heaven and the earth. I'm, I'm good. Oh, you're, you're going to dissect this. Go ahead. <laughs> Would you like to dissect, not dissect Spectrox logic? Go ahead. Right. So God created heaven and the earth. I get that. Created heaven, boom. Look down, boom, earth, right? Right. So then he created the Hulkamaniacs. Shouldn't he have created the set of 24-inch pythons first and Hulk Hogan and then the Hulkamaniacs? Which comes first, the Hulk or the Hulkamaniacs? This is a good point. Right. So then, I mean, the the the, the arms are going to straighten people up, whatever that means. 
So I, I don't know, just but him, he's all he's flexing, he's breathing, he's sweating, he's panting. I don't know. He he must have had his uh, Wheaties that morning. Um, Hulk Hogan vitamins. Yes, brother. So <laughs> they cut back to, to Vince, and Vince literally screams in the microphone, I've never seen Hogan more psyched up for a match. Psyched up <laughs> is what we call it, huh? <laughs> yeah. And these words that they keep saying, Joe. Like, there are a whole bunch of things that I just, I'm cracking up at. And this is psyched up. I'm like, yeah, he's psyched up, all right. Um, so now we cut to, to Mr. Wonderful with him. And I'm not even like just cutting scenes out of my notes. This is how fast things are happening. And it, it, it's fantastic. So he, he, Mr. Wonderful is going to rip Hogan's tongue out and put it on the championship belt that he's going to win. Right. So, so right there, I'm like, oh good, we're going to get it. He, he's going to rip his tongue out. This is, this, I don't hear this, these kind of threats. I usually hear I'm going to beat you down. I'm going to stomp a mud hole in you, but rip your tongue out and put it on the championship belt. It's probably not the worst thing that's been on a championship belt that I've seen in, recently, but that's, that's a, that's a whole other story. Um, so I, I like that uh, the whole time, like, Heenan is talking. And Heenan's great. I love Heenan. But the whole time Heenan, Heenan and Gene are talking, Mr. Wonderful is just blocking the shot, walking in front of it. He's, like, you know, flexing, looking. Like, he's just, he's stealing Hulk Hogan's bits. And then they said that they're going to steal the music. And I'm like, oh, my God. And, and they come out to the... They come out to the music, so we cut back, and they 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 uh, Orndorff and Heener are coming out to the music, and Vince and Jesse are having a philosophical discussion on who can use whose music. <laughs> it's like, and it's like, well, he should be able to use. Oh, he's stealing Hulk's music. Hulk didn't write it, Vince. Anybody could come out to anybody's music. And I wish this happened more in wrestling that people would just come out to other people's theme song, right? Which I know they do occasionally, like they'll set up the fans to to be like, oh, this person's gonna come out. No, it's me. So you're all suckers, right? But uh, but I, I like that. And my favorite part is like, well, Hulk didn't write the lyrics, so it's not like it's his song. I'm like, oh my god, you guys, you guys are like the best. So this is like, the, and and the crowd's going crazy. And now Vince again is with, what electricity in the atmosphere? <laughs> I'm like. I don't know. I think they're even giving the fans Spectrox at this point. So now it's Hulk's point to turn to come out. And he just comes out and Gene wants to talk to him. And he just, he just lifts Gene up and spins around, puts him down and just runs down to the ring. He's eating his headband. He's, he's, he's on all cylinders, if you know what I mean, Joe. Um, but uh, I the the match is funny. It's it's what it's a Vince McMahon wet dream. It's two big guys just just pounding on each other for however long. Um, Hulk gets the advantage. I don't know if you know this. That Hulk gets beat up, and then all of a sudden he gets the advantage. Joe, he starts. What's that called? Coking out. I mean, hulking out. Right. He's right. The uh, he's going through a cycle. Maybe. <laughs> yes, he's cycling definitely. But uh, I, he, uh, I like a, a bit where he hits, he hits uh, Hogan hits Mister Wonderful, and he's got the rubbery legs. People should do that more. 
They should just like have fake rubbery legs. Um, so then fake. Mr. Wonder, what fake? <laughs> I mean, I mean real rubbery legs. So uh, Orndorff gets the upper hand again because you know it's got to flop back and forth occasionally. Hogan falls out of the ring on the timekeeper. Hogan gets choked with a with a, a mic cord, and Jesse's eating all this up. Um, so Heenan's gonna help. Uh, Mr. Wonderful by trying to slip him a, uh, what do they call them? Uh, a foreign object. That's what I miss. I miss foreign objects. And he, he gets bopped. He does all this stuff happens. And the ref decides that's enough. Heenan is out of here. He's throwing Heenan out. And the security comes, Joe. And nobody gets disrespected. And I mean this in a good way. Like Heenan. I don't know if they're his ideas or what, but Heenan gets carried out, not, not escorted out, carried out like a schlub saying, screaming, put me down. And I'm all in. Cause I don't know if you know this. I'm a, I'm a Heenan fan, Joe. Yes. And just, just the shot of them carrying Heenan out of the, the, the venue is, is hysterical with him putting up the fight and arguing and they throw him behind this door and he's just banging on the door, looking through windows, yelling at the rent cops to let him in. Vintage, pure, like fantastic Heenan. I, I you know, like I'm not, I'm never gonna, I, I'm never gonna say anything bad about, uh, about Heenan. So we, you know, there's a commercial at this point and we come back, um, and he's hulking out again, this time for the big Hulk out. And that's when Vince is like, look at the look in his eye. Look at the look in his eyes. And I'm like, you mean those dinner plate, like white eyeballs that he has going on? They're just, I mean, like, they, they you couldn't get any more light in those eyes if it was like the Hubble telescope. It was like just... I, I don't even know. He's shaking. He's he was alert, it. Todd. <laughs> yes, anything could happen. Um, so that's when uh, you know it looks like Hulk Hogan is going to get the going to get the uh, the win, and Adrian Adonis comes running in, F- and and Vince is like, "It's Adrian Adonis," and Jesse's like, "Are you sure? Could it be just some like lady in the audience?" <laughs> and oh. I'm like. I'm like, boys, you are the best on commentary. I mean, I've only I've only known of one commentator better, and he's on the other side of this podcast right now. Are you doing another show while we're recording this? Yes, I am. I'm doing two. Um, so Piper comes Piper comes limping out with the American Land Speed hobble record. <laughs> He's got like this little hobble going with the crutch. It's like if I put the crutch two inches in front of me and then hop, hop, two inches, hop, two inches, hop. But he's going like a madman, like like he's got something fueling him. So he comes in. He's got the crutches. He's hitting people. He's he's going crazy, swinging, and it looks like he's going to go after Hulk. And I, I believe at this point they have some past history, don't they, Joe? That's correct. So you're not sure if he's going to hit him, but you're not sure if Hulk is happy that, you know, he saved him. I'm really confused, but I'm really enjoying it because I'm feeling the energy, Joe. I'm feeling the energy. Um, it's at this point that they mention that there's going to be like, so it's like, a, I guess, like a disqualification. That match is over. Um, we go to, we cut to the mention that there's going to be a snake pit match. 
And this is when Jesse really hits it home with some great commentary. And he says that, that dragons and snakes have never really gotten along. Right. And I'm like, that's right. I've never seen a dragon and a happy snake together. But then again, I've never really seen a dragon either. But that's that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> so he, so uh, after that, Vince says that we're going to go to Gene, who's in a bizarre set of circumstances with Jake the Snake. Um, the bizarre set of circumstances is that he's Jake the Snake. But the <laughs> what they really mean is that he's in a shower. Um, so now the thing that's confusing me is that Jake, the snake is saying some really cool, coherent things. Right. And I don't understand it. Cause he's like, he's like, Ricky, it's, uh, it's more shameful to deny fear than to run from j- danger. And I'm like, who is this Jake, the snake? And what have you done with them? This is not the Jake I know and love. <laughs> right. So I'm thinking like, remember when we had under faker, this is Jake the fake Robertson oh. Roberts because that's not my Jake. He's in a shower talking. I I don't know. He doesn't have any twenty. He doesn't have any aces and eights. Hashtag not have, my Jake. Not my Jake. He doesn't have twenty twos. I don't know what's going on. Um. So Gene and another Gene is cracking me up at this point with his just nodding, listening to these these just rambling people like saying stuff and uh obviously jake you know threatens him with the snake and he's like he's up with that snake i'm a little upset we're in a shower you're a sick man roberts (laughs) um and uh and it's just the fact that he calls him a sick man, Roberts. And then, you know, uh, Jake is getting mad at him and he's like, and Gene, if you believe that he can beat me, you better go back to selling encyclopedias. And Gene goes, I've never sold encyclopedias. He's like, you can't do that either. <laughs> like, that's fantastic. That's a great insult. Who? Who is Jake? Where is my Jake? This isn't the real Jake. My two Jakes. But anyway, um, so now we're going to get a interview with Ricky the Dragon, but he's solo. And so we cut to, to Ricky and he's like, meet the dragon, but keep your distance and the dragon will keep his, but get too close and he may just harm you. I am here and the dragon is here this evening. And I'm like, yeah, we know this evening. Like, you're not... Yeah, we get it. So, now, I'm looking at the dragon, Joe. Right. Um, I don't think it's a dragon. No? I think it may be an ashamed, an ashamed alligator. Because <laughs> it, it has this ribbon over its mouth. So it can't open his mouth. And like Ricky's like pointing it at the camera. And and every time he says dragon, I'm like that that's just an ashamed alligator. Because <laughs> like, he knows he's not a dragon. We know he's not a dragon. Oh, like w- w- when did wrestling start giving us fake stuff, Joe? <laughs> I think they alleged that it was a Komodo dragon. <sighs> 
That's what they was, allege. I'm not saying that no. it was. I'm just saying that's what they alleged. Well, it's an ashamed, it's an ashamed alligator job. All right. Uh, so they, they, you know, they they have their their thing in the ring, and it's going sideways, and. So uh, Jake goes for his bag, and he's he's going for the bag. He's going for the bag. I think he's going for Damien. That's not usually that's all in the bag with just the snake, but I think he's going for something else. But he pulls it out, and, and Vince, like, plays it up. Like, Vince, like, it's just like, look at that snake. Blah, oh, God, it's a snake. Right, the, the fake vomit. And when Vince would, like, when he would do it to jobbers and stuff, he'd say, Ah, imagine that slimy thing just crawling all over you. Ugh. Oh, my God, I'm crying. And so now uh, Ricky pulls out his ashamed alligator. (laughs) And they kind of go at it. And they're like, it's like hot and cold hitting. And they, they go their separate way. And then... Like like the encyclopedia joke that I really liked. Um, uh, they're like, you know, this is getting exciting here in the rich the Richfield Coliseum, and Jesse's like, it looks like the Richfield Zoo to me, and he's and Vince like just with no like you know just flatly is like, if it was, you'd be behind bars, Jess. <laughs> I just want to say, uh, just as a side note. As good as Vince and Jesse are, or Vince and Jesse are, um, Vince or Jesse and Gorilla have some good ones. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of my personal favorites uh, involving Jesse and Gorilla, involving a man who's in the next segment, uh, at one of the WrestleManias, Tito Santana attacks the Doctor of Style Slick Mm -hmm. and rips his clothes off him. And Jesse is appalled that Chico Santana. Chico would rip up Slick's fantastic clothes, mm-hmm. to which Gorilla says, "What he's wearing is it worth five dollars?" To which Jesse responds, and a, and, a, and a line I say all the time: "He looks like he's ready for downtown Detroit." <laughs> and I don't know why that's such a fantastic line, but I say that all the time. He looks like he's ready for downtown Detroit. Oh. <laughs> uh... Well, you'd so, be behind bars, Jesse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you'd, well, you'd be behind bars, Jesse. So now, I, now that we're we're getting like our after match, we get after match interviews too. And so now Ho- Hogan and Gene is uh, G, you know, now that you're out of the shower and you're cooled down, Hogan, <laughs> oh, you can boy. tell you can tell your your story. Guess what, Joe? He ain't cooled down. No. You know what I mean? No, but you know what I did learn from him? Oh, that he no. was I'm sorry, that he was turned on, turned on, which is one of my favorite phrases from from Spectrock Field Hulk Hogan in a in a promo is that he's like I it was turned on that 20,000 fans in the jurors box said guilty is charged to Mr. Wonderful. And I'm like, "Oh my god." And he just goes on this like judicial like he's just going to get in every judicial phrase that his brain can 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 do and I couldn't follow it. I was just laughing so hard. I'm like, I don't I don't even know what's happening here. And then he's flexing and shaking. It's like 
It's like, that's really his go-to gimmick at this point. The only thing I'm mad that he didn't do, and he didn't do at any point in any of the times that I see him in this in the next episode, is that he he didn't flex himself out of the scene. Okay. Which is one of my favorite things that he does. He's like, oh, I'm flexing so hard. Oh, I fell out of camera. <laughs> and he didn't do that. I was like, oh, come on, Hulk. Just give me one. Just give me one. Um, so... You know, that's that's just craziness. So now we're going to get uh, Jesse interviewing somebody. It's going to be the pre-mentioned Slick in his great-looking out- outfit with his yellow beret or cab cabby, cabby hat. I'm not, I'm not not sure. And the real Iron Sheik. Um, <laughs> the real Iron Sheik, not these fake Iron Sheiks that you keep trying to pawn off on me. Sure. Right? So Jesse's talking to, to Slick, and did you know what I learned from Slick, Joe? Oh, I only I can only hope it's something fantastic. <laughs> that a happy wrestler is a champion wrestler. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And, and can you dig on that, Daddy? I, that's 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 what. Um, that's what I got from him, and that's I'm gonna leave it at that. I don't, I really don't think I can put it any better than than, than Slick could. So now they they talk to the Sheik, and the Sheik starts to talk in like the Sheik does, and he, all I know is the Sheiky. This is what he says: the Sheiky is always was ready. <laughs> and I paused it, went back, and wrote down his exact words: were the Sheiky. Is always was ready. He's correct. And you know what? He was. He he is always was ready. God, I love the sheet. Even though he didn't do the the feats of strength. Um, right. Roddy Piper ain't falling for that. Right. So what do you mean Roddy Piper? He's not wrestling tonight. Oh, that's right. He was too He's injured. Not, he was too injured by uh, Adrian Adonis, the... The uh, I don't know what he was even talking about there. He was talking about stretch more. Uh, the adorable <laughs> one. The adorable one. So now it's it's Sheik versus Pedro Morales, Joe. And I almost don't even want to watch it because this was supposed to be Pi- uh, uh, Piper. and But all of a sudden, Piper hobbles down to the ring and in a very energetic way yells, You! Ouch! <laughs> like, oh boy. I bet you he's not feeling his knee injury, Joe. Um, so right off the bat, he hits the Sheik with the crutch, which really should have disqual- so disqualified him. And now, is this the thing where you were telling me what a rare double heel match is what it was? Well, uh, no, that's on the next episode, because Piper was in the midst of a babyface turn, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously feuding with the much-hated, uh, adorable Adrian Adonis, but still... You know, we all remember that horrible feud and with the hated, or you know, with when he was the hated villain against Hulk Hogan. So mm-hmm. Piper is like still like he's still getting the babyface reaction, but he hasn't had that moment where like Hulkster endorses him. You know, so he's not a full fledged babyface just yet. Okay. So, um, so now like he hits him with the he hits him with the crutch, and then Sheik rips that Piper shirt. The I think it was I forget if it was a Piper or a Hot Rod shirt. It's, it, it doesn't really matter. But he starts choking him with his own shirt, and that's disrespectful, Joe. 
that's disrespectful. But this is a really quick match, and Piper ends up rolling him up for the win, blah, blah, blah. And, and he's all like, he's looking out at the crowd. And the, again, this is where Vince starts crapping, cracking me up. He's like, look at the face on that guy. That's a lunatic's face. <laughs> the intensity. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I can see the intensity. The air quotes intensity. <laughs> on his face, Joe. I'm actually surprised I didn't see the whiteness, the white intensity on his face somewhere. Um, so now there's a uh that match is over. We cut to a Johnny Johnny V is his name. They say it really fast. Johnny V, aka Johnny Valiant, but yes. Johnny Valiant. As was he the was he the tenth best wrestler and, and coming up at the time? No. Okay, because I know all Valiant things are on my way. How dare up. you? <laughs> anyway. So it's Bruder the Barber and Greg the Hammer Valentine and Johnny V. I don't even know what Johnny V's talking about. He's like, he's talking to Gene. He's like, I knew you were in on it, baby. And 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 Gene's like, in on what? He's like, huh, the conspiracy. <laughs> I'm like, what a conspiracy. And they show some footage of them losing fair and square, and it's a conspiracy. Right. So I don't know. I found that amusing, and uh, so and here's another great like just dig at Gene. He's like, and you're the conspiracy. You're like them all, and uh, you don't think it's there. You're either blind or a liar, and I know you're not blind, Gene. <laughs> that actually would get um, morphed into a uh, phraseology in the late two thousand, late or you know late two thousand two thousand tens. Uh, where there's only two types of people that wear sunglasses indoors, mm-hmm. blind people or assholes, and I know <laughs> you're not blind. <laughs> I get what you're saying there. Right. So you're calling somebody an asshole when you right, say Right, there that. you go. Uh, calling Gene so, a liar. Gene a liar. So now we get the cool down interview with Gene and Piper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> More cool down. And so Gene's like, I know you're hurting, Roddy. And he's like, I'm not hurting. And I'm like, I bet you're not. <laughs> and he's like pouring soda on his head. Right. And uh, Like a sane person would. Well, he says like this. He's like, I do what I want. You say I'm insane. I say thank you very much. Adonis in your dress with your beautiful pictorials that, that look like you've had six letters of puppies. <laughs> Stretch, stretch marks that look like a map of upstate New York. <laughs> and he's just going, and he's doing that, whoa, that, that, he almost does like a weird high-pitched Yoda voice when he's talking. So he's just going on, and once again, Gene is just like, mm-hmm, uh-huh, yeah. I'm talking to a sane individual, he's making a lot of <laughs> <Yes>. sense. <laughs> right. So, at the end... Piper's looking straight into the camera as the as this part ends. They cut to Vince, and Vince, his quote is, those are not Betty Davis eyes. I think that was a popular song from a few years prior. Right, but it's not, it's not the way I took it, Joe. Oh, I know it's not, Todd. Oh. Oh, I was, I'm just, I was, that made me crack up. I'm like, those are, from now on, whenever I see someone on Spectrox, those are not Betty Davis eyes. 
Oh. A lot of page turning over there. Yeah, I'm sorry. These are my notes. I'm, I'm sorry I'm making noise. No, I can listen, stop if you'd like. This is important information that you're disseminating to our listeners. Mm-hmm. So now we're going into Saturday night's main event, episode eight. Now, as you notice, I did have Todd skip a little bit of stuff. I'm uh, sorry. No, it's quite I... all right. There was a lengthy British Bulldogs versus uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine and Brutus the fucking Barber Beefcake match. <laughs> Right, uh, and the version that he that I gave to him, unfortunately, was missing the Kamala versus Lanny Poffo barn burner that went forty four <laughs> seconds. Right, but moving on. Okay. Oh, so that... th- this next episode of Saturday Night's Main Event uh, was um, t- um uh, two months later from uh, the Los Angeles Memorial Sports Arena. Right. So, so what was now? This is a question because I just have to ask because you say it was two months later. Yes. What was Saturday Night Main Event? Was it a a TV show? Yes. Like... It would take the place of Saturday Night Live every two months. Really? Yes. It would be preempting because this was when you have to remember Saturday. Night, so Saturday Night's Main Event starts in 1985, the the summer of 1985, like the pre, like it was like. Not that first season after the real season, but it was, like, the season kind of in between where, like, Eddie Murphy's becoming a star, but it's still that cast, and we haven't gotten your Dana Carvey's, your Phil Hartman's, your John Lovitz's is it yet. And Pish Kapoor is just about to break out. Right, right. So, Saturday Night Live was in the shitter, wrestling was hot, um, Dick Ebersol and Vince became friends, so I was like, goddamn, pal, let's put some wrestling on! And there you go. And and what? It's so uh, blah, blah, blah. Saturday Night Live was like an hour and a half, so that's what this was with commercials-ish? Yeah. Okay. So that makes sense. I didn't know if it was like a Saturday night like uh, syndicated thing. Nope. Did that it was actually... on NBC proper, man. Oh, my goodness. So now Jesse the Body uh, introduces the show. Something looks different about Jesse, but I can't put my finger on it. Um, <laughs> the we'll raccoon on his head? What? The raccoon on his head? <laughs> right. So um now we get to the, the, the openings, um and the, we start the promo with promo uh, package. Right, promo packages, which is the the quick one. I didn't do all of them because they weren't all interesting last time. Um this one it starts with Bonesaw. Right. Oh no, I'm sorry, Macho Man. I'll call him Macho Man for these 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 this segment. Um, and he's like, Oh, I'm the number one wrestler in the WWF, right, Elizabeth? And she's like, That's right, that's Randy. Right. That's right, Randy. Shut up and keep polishing because she's polishing the Intercontinental Bell. And I love that he says, He's like, If you lose, if, if I, I lose, lose it's tonight, it's your fault. Your fault. <laughs> see that, see that spot? Rub it out. Rub it out. Elizabeth. <laughs> The fact that Macho Man's on, uh, you know, network TV just yelling, rub it out, Elizabeth, <laughs> makes me. Um, so now we get to, hmm, subdued Rowdy Rowdy Piper. <laughs> and he's like, yo-ho, here I am, probably the toughest son of an unnamed goat you've ever seen. <laughs> I don't know what an, I guess a goat, an unnamed goat is just a goat without a name. Correct. Um. Uh, Oh, and then he just tells you what you have to do if you want to see him fight. And Todd, if you want to see I can me... maybe do this whole promo from memory, just so you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I won't do it then. Go put the kitties to bed, go put grandma to bed, make yourself a bologna sandwich. <laughs> what else is he 
And he's like, he's like, you want, you want to see me fight? First thing is put grandma out of bed. Make sure she's comfy. Go make a bologna sandwich. Bring her on down. And he's just like, and he's, and I'm talking like, you've, well, you've put grandma to bed. You've made the bologna sandwich, and then you're waking her back up. <laughs> yes, I don't. What erratic behavior? <laughs> yes, it, it's like it's not the behavior of a sane man. <sighs> and he's talking about how he's going to beat up Jimmy Hart, who's the Ichabod Crane of wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> Which all right, that made me laugh. And he's like, when I and it won't be pretty, but I will be when it's done. And he's like smiling into the camera. <laughs> oh. oh, Todd, my heart. <laughs> so then there's a little bit of Hulk Hogan. All I'm just gonna say is that he has that he has the eye of the Spectrox. I mean Tiger look in his eye again. <laughs> I hope there's more from the Hulkster to come later. Um there might be. Let me hold on, let me flip through my notes. Yeah, I think there is some. So Vince and Jesse show up, and Vince just starts giving it to Jesse over his beautiful haircut that he has. <laughs> I don't even know what's going on. Was he doing a movie at the time? Well, he was Hollywood. They were in Hollywood, so he was done up for being like a Hollywood guy, you know? But the hair was fantastic, right? And he's and he's given he's given uh, Jesse the, the stuff. And at one point, he just goes, and Vince or Jesse's getting all hot, like you know, at it. And Vince just looks at him and goes, "Calm down before you flip your wig, Jesse." I don't know. That's a Todd joke, and I like it very much. Uh, so now, you know, once again, the directors, you know. He's he's feeling the electricity too, and we cut to Gene, and he's waiting for Jake the Snake. Um, and I like that he's standing in the hallway, and you just see Jake come around the corner behind him, Gene completely unaware, um, as it says in the script. Um, and he's walking down the hall with the snake, and he you know puts the snake up against Gene's ear, and Gene jumps, and he's like, "Oh, snake! Oh my God!" And Gene, being afraid of the snake, is like. The best. And he's and, and, and I'm not making this up to do the joke later that somebody else does. All I could see is while he's talking to talking to, to, to Gene and, and, and Jake is that Gene is doing the greatest fearful shake I have ever seen in my entire life. And the microphone's moving while he's talking. And I'm like, all right, this is very funny. But it pays off so well when they cut back to Vince and Jesse, and Jesse goes, Gene was was so scared and shaking so much that I didn't know if he was holding a microphone or a vibrator. (laughs) I'm like, don't ever change, Jesse. Don't ever change. Go make Predator. (sighs) Oh. One of my favorite lines as well. I need I need Spectrox to do this last episode. All right, so Power through Todd. Take a take a few bumps and you'll be good. <laughs> oh, I'm good to go, Joe. So now we have Gene with uh, Macho Man, or as I call him, Bonesaw, and he's got a beautiful kid cape with sparkles on it and two M's on it, which I, I'll, I'll, it looks like amazing man to me, but I know it's macho man. Um, and Gene starts out talking to Elizabeth 
And he's just like, are you afraid of snakes? And Gene, forget her. He's like, this is all about me. This is, and he's just like going on. And I like the arrogant macho man that's just abusive to Elizabeth. I find that funny. Um, I bet that was a rocky relationship, but, uh, so it's going on and he's talking about, he's like, when this is over, I'm going to get, I'm going to take the skin off that creature and, you know, make a belt. And he's like, and Gene's like, you're going to make a belt out of Damon. He's like, no, Jake, the snake. <laughs> and, uh, and, and he's like, if you don't watch yourself, Gene, I'll make a belt buckle out of you. I would love to see, I want a mean Gene Okerlund belt buckle now. Just a big mean Gene face right above your crotch. Now, I do, I wanted to say two things real quick um, before we get to the match itself. This is the rare heel versus heel match. Okay. Uh, but these were two heels that were super duper over. Right, so you can do it? Right. Um, secondly, in the great lines of Macho Man promos... Mm-hmm. As all of these, that he's going to make a skin out, or he's going to make a belt out of Jake himself, and Gene is going to be the belt buckle. Mm-hmm. Uh, several months later at WrestleMania three, when he's leaving the interview to go have his match with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, he says to the interviewer, "If you want to talk to me later, my phone number is on the back of my license plate." Okay, and that's how he ends the interview. Everything <laughs> about that is wrong. Why would your phone number be on the back of your license plate? That's and so you could see it. Seem like a very convoluted way to give people your 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 telephone number. <laughs> True, just follow them, I guess. I guess, and then you got to unscrew the license plate. It's it's a lot of work, Mach. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Here's a pen and paper. Write it down. Anyway. So. Now, uh, you know, the, the interview's over and they, they cut to Macho Man coming out and Elizabeth. And now the energetic Vince McMahon is like, the lovely Elizabeth. Oh my, she is nice. And it's perfectly shot during, while she's getting in the ring and you can look straight down at the cleavage of her dress. And it's not, um, creepy at all. <laughs> right. But Vince would go on to, you know, not be creepy ever again after that in the history of wrestling. So, the genetic jackhammer. This was the only time. The only time. The only time. So, you know, uh, uh, Jake and Macho Man are going at it, and and he threatens he threatens Elizabeth with the snake, which is super... Why would you threaten a woman with the snake? That's just wrong. So... Um, he he has got the snake out. Vince is yelling, "Put the snake in the bag!" Like he's he's all blah, blah. just 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 you know the the way they are. Macho Man and Snake are thrown around. Poor Hebner, the 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 referee, and he's getting no respect. It's so it's gotten completely out of the out of hand. Um, and the ref, I don't know how many how many matches have been stopped for this, Joe. Because it was as a result of uncontrollable danger, it's a double disqualification. If there was any match with Jake the Snake Roberts that had uncontrollable danger, it was probably the Heroes of Wrestling one, not this one. Mm-hmm. That's what they should have stopped that one for. Ugh. 
So I was like I said, I'm not a big double heel match, but I thought that was interesting just because I like that that version of Macho Man. I never really saw a disrespectful Macho Man, so heel Macho Man. I always remember him as the the good guy. Um, so now we get a little uh, promo of Heenan buying Hercules' contract off the slick, right? And and you know he's talking about this and that, and and slick only takes straight cash, man. He only takes straight cash, homie. So they're in. That's that's a Randy Moss thing. So they're in. They're in a bank, I guess. That's where they're shooting this thing, and the teller slides out a pile of cash, pile of cash, and you know Heenan gets the contract and everything, and it's only a little, you know, uh, uh. It's 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 only a little scene, but it makes me like miss the days of this this kind of wrestling. Even though I never watched it, that's uh, is like that they would go into a bank and shoot. Like, can we just get a shot of you putting a giant wad of mound of cash on the counter, and then like we'll go? And I'm like, I can't imagine, especially with this crew and at this time, anything bad happening around <laughs> giant piles of cash. <laughs> So I I know there's probably not, but in my heart of hearts, I wish there was really like a horrible story behind this scene that you knew, but there's probably not. Well, I will say a lot of times they would kind of take these things, um, you know, it was like, we're going to steal, like, no, there'd be no permits. Um, obviously this time, because there was another person involved handing over the cash, uh, they probably had to get some permissions, but a lot of these vignettes that take place at a secondary non-backstage location, where it was essentially done as guerrilla filmmaking, where they would just <laughs> take it and hope not to get caught. Right, right. And in a bank yet. Like I said, just with a pile of cash, you know what right. I mean? And this is this is the first, but not the last time, that the mighty Hercules would be bought and sold like a common good. Okay, right. So I like the fact that now we get uh we get like a gene with uh Heenan and Hercules and he's talking like, you know, oh you gotta pay cash because your credit's no good and Heenan's like, My credit's good anywhere. Like him going like going on about like his credit, like when I say drink, they bring me a and it's just patented Heenan. I can't I can't do it any justice, so I'm not gonna do it. And then uh Hercules talking about how he's he is the champion, even though he's not. Gene's like, you're not the champion. He's like, and Heenan's like, don't run my wrestler down. He's like, <laughs> just keep saying it, Hercules. I am the champion. I am the champion. So how many times was Hercules champion? Because he said he was going to be. It's like nine times, ten times? He was times? never the champion. Wait a minute. He was never the champion? Never. So that was all lies that I was just told there. Correct. Oh, okay. All right. So now, after this scene, what fills up my screen is giant bouncing pectoral muscles. All right. <laughs> and um, he, he, there is, we pull back and it's Hulk Hogan, Joe, who might be 10 times more energetic on episode eight. Mm-hmm. than he was on episode seven and he just looks into the camper and he's got he can't camper he looks into the camera and says i got my pump back baby i'm like <laughs> oh boy i bet you do 
There's a lot of oh boy, I bet you do to the things people say in here. He's like, I have the largest arms in the world. Um, and he's like, I'm going to fight this guy, brother. And he looks like Hercules. He, he could have been an immortal, a Greek god. Um, he's been training in the, he's been going, he's, and he's just making him like he's a, like he could be one of the Greek gods. But this is what Hulk Hogan's been doing in all this time. He's been training in the Garden of Eden. With his main squeeze, Eve. He's dove 20,000 leagues under the sea. For 40 nights and 40 days, he hung and bung on the Titanic. I want to stop here for one second. All right. I don't know what... I know what hung was, but bung? The past of bang. Okay, he hung and bung. All right. So, and then he points his palm and he's like, this is where the power lies, brother. This is where the power lies. And I was like, put your hand slightly higher in front of your nose and then move your palm away from your finger and point at your nose. And that's where the power lies, brother. That's where the power lies. And now, now he flexes even harder than he did last episode. And he's like turning, spinning, looking, smiling saucer plate eyes again and but once again did not um you know flex himself out of out of, out of the scene so we're gonna get uh hercules and hulk hogan to fight now and this if you thought hulk hogan and who fought who did he fight in the last uh match paul orndorff mr paul orndorff if you thought there was two big slow guys before well, now you got two big, slower guys. So, uh, just as a side note, prior to coming to the World Wrestling uh, Entertainment, uh, Hercules had knocked around a bunch of other promotions before. In one set promotion, while flexing at the camera, mm -hmm. he said, Look at these babies, filled up with 120 cc's of Dianaball. And I'm not joking around, there was a time in wrestling where wrestlers in their promos would just come right out and say, here's how much steroids I took. 100 cc's of Dianabol? Yes! That doesn't seem like something you want to be proud of. I guess it was a different time, Todd, though. It was, it was a long time ago, it was a mm -hmm. different time, you can't judge, and sadly Hercules is dead now. I wonder what the cause was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, again, listen, I really liked Hercules. I thought he was he was very underrated. But he died, you know, Todd, he lived to a ripe old age of 47. <laughs> uh, 100 cc's of 47. Uh, so th they're fighting, and uh, Hercules gets Hogan in a backbreaker. And Jesse says that he could hear Hogan submit all the way from the commentating table. But Vince says that all that fake hair must have gotten in his ears. Wait a minute. Another fake hair reference on this episode? <sighs> but it is realistic fake hair, Joe. So so, uh, so he knocks him down, throws him down, and he pins Hogan. But Hogan kicks out with authority, Vince says. And now he's really feeling the electricity, Vince says. And, and he's just, he just, you know, ends up beating him. And this is when, you know, uh, 
uh, he ends up beating Hercules, and Jesse's going, and now I know where the power is. It's in the palm of his hand, because he's got the refs in the palm of his hand. All the refs, he's just going on. And and Hogan's in the ring, just, ah, like the ring's shaking at the way he's he's flexing again. He really liked to flex, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, so now we're going to cut to commercial, which this is one of the things that I really like. And it's just a shot of Piper looking into the camera going, baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> Saying, baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. And that's it, commercial. Um, so now, now I find it interesting that we, we cut to, when we come back, it's Jesse's going to interview Jimmy Hart and Bob Orton in a restaurant. And Jesse's like, don't order the burritos. They'll give you gas. So or, the funny to me, funny is Orton wants a do- orders a dozen. <laughs> like, he's like, well, give me a dozen. And I'm like, he's going to go fight Piper all gassy. That's the only thing. I wish they really played that up. There's not enough gassy humor during a match. Um, so that's that's really short. I'm not even listening to, to Jimmy Hart. Um, so now it's time for we're going to go to Piper, and they do a beautiful retrospective of Piper and Orton being friends. Yes. While, uh, while you're a friend of mine plays in the background. And it was touching, Joe. The only thing I was mad at is at all this whole time is Bob Orton didn't have a cast on again. This was his non-cast time again. Sure. I, you got to you gotta give me stuff where he's got casts on. All right. Um, so now Gene is, you know, the, the vignette ends. And there's a nice shot of uh, uh, Piper and Orton hugging and, a, and the heart swipe. The heart wipe uh, goes over them and everything. <laughs> like just the fact that they're making like this romantic video between Piper and Orton. So now we have Gene waiting for Piper to come do his interview. <laughs> and Gene's standing in front of these like old like uh wooden doors with frosted glass windows. <laughs> and all of a sudden the doors just kick open, Joe. <laughs> and you just and it's just ah! <laughs> It's like, like literally the way Piper comes through the doors and you're like, Oh my God, even, even more. And he's just like, and he goes, I like, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, uh, you're saying, you know, we weren't friends. You know, we were always friends. Like that time I got lovely loosely to go home with you. It took eight, 18 months of Sundays and a hundred dollar bill on your forehead. And he's just going talking, but then he says my favorite phrase that I think should be on all sh- shirts was that he was rowdy before rowdy was cool. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that phrase recently before it was cool. So is rowdy the first hipster? How dare you, <laughs> rowdy rowdy hipster? No, no, you, you don't you don't like that? Uh, not at all. That's. That's that's hurtful to a man's uh, legacy. So now it's going to be Piper and who did he wrestle? I don't have that here. Cowboy Bob Orton. Cowboy Bob Orton. My Spectrox is wearing off, Joe. So he's out there with with Morocco, and Morocco's in a kilt? Yes. So were they mocking him at this time? Because they really don't explain it. They... uh, 
But anyway, so this uh, Morocco's like you know while the match is going on is like you know trying to grab the ankle and and Hebner's had enough of that, so he has security take Morocco out. But I preferred when they carried Heenan out to to. Uh, to what they did to Morocco was just like, hey, let's go. Well, this is going on. I, I just love Piper. Piper's like doing that, like, oh, like that, that innocent face, like, bye bye, doing the, the big wave for the cheap seats and everything. So, uh, just, uh, Piper hits Orton in the corner like a million times. Like he's got this, like, super speed. Like he's got the speed force in him or something, Joe. <laughs> like, like Orton's a speed bag. Like concentrated, crushed up speed force? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Um, then he, after he's got him in the corner, he proceeds to, I believe the term is bulldog him, where you run and jump with the guy's head yeah. face down. And he proceeds to, and Orton proceeds to sell it. Like he got, I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal a Joe-ism right here. Like he got shot with a shotgun. Mm-hmm. He comes flying up. Um, uh, you know, and it's, a, this is another, I think, like short match and, uh, Piper ends up rolling him up and, and, and winning the match. Um, I'm looking at Gene. Uh, Gene does his interview with him at the end. He's like, I bet you're pleased with that match. When he's like, I'm pleased with the pink cowboy hat I got off him, which I'm thinking is something that happened earlier. That okay. I missed. So if you remember from the previous episode, Roddy Piper was feuding with uh, Adrian Adonis. Mm-hmm. You'll notice there's no mention of Adrian Adonis here. Okay. In between the filming of the previous Ed Knight's main event and this Ed Knight's main event, Adrian Adonis was fired from the World Wrestling Entertainment for getting into a backstage fight with another wrestler. Mm-hmm. The problem was, this feud with Piper was so hot, and it couldn't be resolved with him beating Bob Orton in like a four-minute match. It couldn't be resolved with him beating Morocco. Like, it needed to have the blow-off with Adonis. So they rehired Adrian Adonis back just so that they could do the blow-off at that WrestleMania and then promptly fire Adonis afterwards. Mm. So he did get a pink hat off him, though? Right. See, when Roddy Piper left to go film They Live, Mm -hmm. while he was gone... Piper's pit was replaced by the flower shop, okay. which was Adrian Adonis's interview segment. He ended up co-opting Roddy's bodyguard, cowboy ace Bob Orton, as his own, and we knew that cowboy Bob was now with Adrian Adonis because he was wearing a pink cowboy hat. Oh, okay. Some of the stuff Roddy says doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's all. Needs so an Gene... English to Spectrox translator. <laughs> yes, we need one of those. So Gene says, he's like, I'm surprised. We're surprised. I know you're not looking to, to for a popularity contest, but you, you know, you looks like you end up winning. You're winning the fans over here. So this is where I'm getting. You were telling me like that the 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 turn to being a, a good guy, right? You know, it was happening. Happened is on its way in the middle more or whatever. And that's when Piper's like, you know, well, I was, you know, I'm not with a popularity contest, but I was voted most likely to marry the cheerleading squad. (laughs) Okay. And then he's like, and what do you think about uh, Orton and Morocco wearing kilts? And he's like, those weren't kilts. Those are dresses. Those are dresses. (laughs) He's like, you know, just, just, just fantastic. You know, you gotta love, 
you're going to love uh, Roddy Roddy Piper. So now we get to the Hart Foundation, and the Hart Foundation is going to get the, kill, the, the killer bees. Is that their name? That's correct. And when they get them, they're going to snap their stingers, Joe. Then they will be known as the queen bees because they won't be, I guess, men anymore, I guess is what they're right, saying. The bees stinger is their dick. Oh, dick jokes. I got it now. I got it before. I just thought it would be funnier. Oh, okay. Um, so they're wrestling now. They don't have masks on when the match starts, Joe. Uh-oh. Just so you know. So now, during the match, they get both thrown outside. They're under the, 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 the ring mat, apron. Apron. It's called an apron. And they're like, Vince and Jesse are confused. They're like, what are they doing? They come out with bee masks on, Joe. And now we can't tell them apart. <laughs> we can't tell them apart. One's in the ring. They're doing what? Uh, they're doing identical wizardry. There you go. I was going to say they invented twin magic before twins were a thing. Right. They're doing, uh, you know, identical wizardry. And they end up getting the win because while the one that had just got the finishing move, they were distracting the ref, and they switched spots, and then then they took their masks off, Joe, and Jesse was so hot, because he's like, now we could see who they are, and I didn't know who they were before. Um, I'm glad that I finally, in Gallifrey Birds, got to see Twin Magic, Joe, because <laughs> it had been discussed. We've mentioned it on other episodes. Now I've officially seen um, Twin Magic. Um, so now we get to a Coco Beware promo with Gene Ogerlin. <laughs> and um, I don't know who's got wider eyes, the parrot or the, the cockatoo or or uh, Coco Beware. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because he just comes out and he's like, Frankie wants to go to Moscow. And what are you going to do in Moscow? <laughs> You're going to go to Leningrad? What are you going to do in Leningrad? <laughs> Chernobyl? And I, I, I'm like, I don't know what's happening here. And I, is his name spelled C-O-K-E, beware? Oh, my goodness. Coke, oh, beware, because he had, he had, and he had his trusty coca on his arm. <laughs> it's Coke, oh, beware, oh. and his Coke, oh, too. You could use that someday, Joe. I will. So now, after the whole thing, while while they're talking, and Gene is generally almost cracking up over this, you could see it. And then Gene Gene starts to talk, and and Coco goes, "Huh?" And then Gene stops, and Gene starts to talk again, and he just goes, "Yeah!" And he just walks off in the middle of, like, Gene's sentence, and then they cut to Vince, or I forget it was Vince or Gene, because I have it down here, and somebody says, well, isn't he electricity personified? (laughs) (laughs) Like, there's a lot of electricity. Just (sighs) so much electricity. White, finely powdered electricity. (laughs) Uh, So now, it's slick and... uh, uh, Nikolai Volkov versus Coco Beware, and we you know we get to the we get to the ring, and uh, no, I'm sorry, this is the interview, and to there, 
Jesse's talking with Slick, and he's like, look at Nikolai. He looks good. And once again, in wisdom that only Slick could partake, he says, to wrestle good, you got to feel good. And to feel good, you got to look good. And to look good, it takes money. (laughs) And Jesse just looks into the camera and goes, makes lots of sense to me. And I'm like, oh. And then they're talking about uh, that that Coco Beware has his Coca too. And Slick, in a maybe slightly racist comment, what says the only bird that he likes are the ones that are deep fried. And I'm like, oh boy, right? So then they cut to, well not cut to, but now they start talking to Nikolai, who once again has the best uh, Russian accent in the business since Lana and just says like, slick number one, Russia number one. And just, you're like, fantastic. They They should bring him in as Lana's grandfather. That's that's what I want to say. Nikolai's still kicking around. And, uh, uh, you know, he's definitely not a janitor somewhere in Maryland who uh, still takes indie bookings on the reg. Hmm. Interesting. So, basically, you know, they have, they have their match. Uh, Nikolai has the match won at one point, but then Slick calls him over for no apparent reason, and Coco Beware wins by just a quick roll-up. And I'm like, oh, okay, I I guess. And then to end this, all I know is I get a little bit of an interview with Gene, Don Morocco, and Mr. Fuji. Right. With Mr. Fuji singing Dixieland? Yes. Because <laughs> they're going to fight the rebel. You're the rebel Dick Slater, that's correct. Dick, Dick Slater. And all I have to say is, Mr. Fuji singing Dixieland? I may want as my new ringtone on my phone. See, because I was going to include the match. Right, but then no, when I saw no. that there was the promo... And I'm like, if I don't end it with Mr. Fuji singing Dixieland, then what the hell am I doing with my life? Mm-hmm. Because what could follow that? I was going to say, I would have been so disappointed if you had ended it on anything other than Mr. Fuji singing Dixieland. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I, Joe, as you say when we do the other show after doing all your free comic books and con news, I've talked for a while. <laughs> Take right. it away. So, thank you everyone for being a part of this year-long experiment that we did of Gallifrey Birds. Um, as we discussed last week, uh, there was a plan on the table for next year in the place of where Gallifrey Birds is currently uh, to do something that's yet unnamed. We have a bunch of suggestions of people that tweeted us. Um, all good names, and we didn't really take a lot of them down only because um, that plan was Todd and I have lists of movies, stuff from the 80s, early 90s that we kind of have an affinity for. We're going to watch them and discuss them. Then, when I was at the comic book shop this past week, Todd had what they call a brainstorm. 
This is one of those moments where people like look back and it's like, oh, that's when the guy invented Google, or that's <laughs> when the guy invented Uber, or whatever it is. Todd gets the brilliant idea that instead of doing that, that for the year 2018, in place of Gallifrey Birds, we do what is tentatively called a year of our double, <laughs> where once a month we have to watch a film starring Ryan Reynolds. Now, it can't be where he's, like, eighth down on the list, or he has one scene in the movie, or he has, you know, he's the voice of an animated chicken or something. Like, we're talking, like, just friends. We're talking the change-up. We're talking the we're talking the movies where he's on the poster, or he's at least, like, the top male build person in this film. Right. I am not sold on this, because this is enjoyment for Todd and the listeners, and not me. At least when we do Gallifrey Birds, I have the enjoyment of living vicariously through Todd, through a child's eyes, (laughs) reliving these great memories of the world wrestling entertainment as I grew up with it. You know, I didn't know everyone was blitzed out of their mind on Spectrox <laughs> when I was nine years old. I just thought as Vince McMahon, the kindly man who I didn't know ran the company, told me that they were all just full of electricity. <laughs> so, I'm going to say this to you, the listeners, and to Todd as well. As this episode goes up, we on longboxheroes.com are going to put up a poll that's going to last uh, through the holidays or however long Twitter allows you to do a poll. So unfortunately, if you are not a Twitter person, there's a perfect opportunity to uh, go sign up for a Twitter account. What's the longest you could do a poll on the old Twittery Roo? Seven days. Seven days. So it'll be a week, right? Um, No, it can't be a week. It'll have to be... Like, I'll want it to end, like, right as we're recording the next After Dark. So it'll be... Th- One, two, three, four, five days. It'll be five days. And we're going to give you, the listeners of the show, the choice. For 2018, do you want us to do the Untitled Movie Project? Do you want us to do a year of our double? Or... Gallifrey Birds version 2, which essentially is Todd making me watch more Doctor Who and me making Todd watch more wrestling. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Whoa. Okay. Whoa, son. More wrestling? It's going to only be stuff from this era. It's going to be strictly 1985 to 1988. I can't believe you just... Also offered to maybe watch some more Doctor Who. If the price I have to pay <laughs> to hear you review every video from the Pile Driver album means I have to watch another episode of Doctor Who, I will gladly I will gladly fall on that sword, sir. <laughs> oh my goodness, that is a lot of interesting possibilities. Right. I know it's gonna win. Okay, well, listen, you don't know what's going to win. No, I know what's going to win. I know what's going to win. You think it's going to be people wanting me to watch Ryan Reynolds' movie? Nope. You think it's going to be Gallifrey Birds 2? I think it's going to be more more Gallifrey Gallifrey Birds 2 Electric Boogaloo. That's what's going to win. Now, do you want me to, because that's 
to use such an obvious choice, do you want me to take that off the poll? We, no, we don't have to. We could leave that up. Okay. How about this, Joe? How All about right. this? Let's do whatever, whatever the poll is for just the first half of the year. Okay. Because I'm not, I, uh, here's the thing. I know, uh, and all joking aside, you, you got done, you know, watching your Doctor Who. And I legitimately watched wrestling. I had fun. And I did. We had fun. But I don't want to do a whole nother year. Because as much as fun as I had, by the end, it felt like it was enough for me. Do you know what I mean? Okay. And I don't want to do 12 more months and then be by month five just, for me personally, going, I'm burnt out on wrestling. That's I'm being honest. All you right. know what I mean? I can give you things that are just all promos. Okay. I'm just and saying. All right, all right. You know what? Leave it on. Leave leave all three on. Right. And we'll and and we'll discuss. You know. Right. We'll we'll see what happens. All right. I'm thinking I'll leave it off, but we'll see. No, leave it on. You sure? Because here's the thing. You also don't like on this one, even though you gave me two episodes. Right. You don't have to give me two and a half hours of stuff anymore. No. If that's more of the caveat where I don't have to watch three hours of pay-per-views. Right. Where Now, this isn't a show because I like you watching Doctor Who, but it was like, oh, towards towards the end, I'm like, oh, well, here's an hour of Doctor Who. I'll just give you one hour. And I'm like, oh, well, I have three hours and 15 minutes of pay-per-view. I'm like, that's kind of where, you know what I mean? Right. Like, I would give you, like, I'm just going to say, like, this, I wouldn't, but, okay, like, I would give you a pay-per-view, right? Mm-hmm. But it wouldn't be the pay-per-view itself. It would just be the YouTube links to all of the promos building up to said pay-per-view. Okay. So, like, is that 30 minutes? Is that 40 minutes? You know, whatever it right, is. But it's not three hours is no. what, like, okay. Because that's more of what I, because I like this one because they were shorter. And um, some of the other ones that you did. But, like, like those crazy WrestleManias. Right. And I did even... try to trim them down. I promise I did. Right, and you did, but you know what I'm saying, that's all. Sorry to be, sorry to, to pee on your fire, but yes, we can put all three on them then. So that sound good? Yes. Like, and absolutely, may- like, one of the things that is going to go on there is all the videos. Like, okay, you're going to end up, like, watching the Slammies, right? Mm-hmm. The Slammies, which is the award show, which was just an infomercial for the wrestling album. Right. Right. So do you want to see Vince McMahon in a ruffled tuxedo? <laughs> yes. Lip syncing a song while wrestlers <laughs> pretend to play instruments behind him? Oh. Uh, <laughs> damn. Uh, Shit, I might a- just send you a bunch of soundless gifts of Vince dancing and just have you talk and describe what you see. <laughs> put put, every, put all that on the list and, and I will abide to whatever, because whatever, we're the only podcast in history that, that totally gives into our polls. Right. We Listen, we obey and we uh, obey the law. Uh, you know, we, we, we abide by our polls. Yes, absolutely. 100%.
Mm-hmm. <laughs> As I'm looking up the videos from the Pile Driver Stop album. Stop it! Stop Currently, it. the uh, <laughs> so they can very cleverly skate around the copyright issue in the description. It says this video is for educational purposes only. Oh boy. <laughs> And yes, the video of Slick's Jive Soul Bro with close-ups of him eating fried chicken is for the children to watch and learn, I guess. All right. So five days you have to vote. If you don't have Twitter, make one Sako account. Make two, three, four, five, however many emails you have. Make that many Sako Twitter accounts. Never use it for anything on Twitter. Go vote for what you want us to do for 2018. Do you want more Gallifrey Birds? Do you want uh, the year of R-Double where I have to watch a goddamn Ryan Reynolds movie every month of my life? Or do you want us to do the unnamed movie project where we want watch a bunch of uh, 80s and 90s movies and kind of have some fun with them? 80s and 90s movies and have some fun with them. See, I'm... You know which one I don't want? Which one don't you want? I don't want to watch no goddamn Ryan Reynolds movies. Double R? Todd, when I started the, when, when we started recording, I was in a bad mood. Right. I was not feeling well. Right. Now that we're talking about professional wrestling and your enjoyment therein of, Mm -hmm. I'm feeling better. Well, that's what I do. (sighs) Oh. All right. This is the end of the podcast. This is the end of podcasting. Mm-hmm. Thank you, everyone, for listening to uh, After Dark episode 162, Gallifrey Birds, n- Roman numeral 12. And we'll catch you all here next week. Everyone have a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And get your fish now. Whew.